Welcome to I Hate It Here, the podcast for HR and people professionals, making the hardest job in the world just a little bit easier. I'm Hibba Youssef. Welcome to the episode of HR Therapy, where we're going to talk about the feedback and well-being connection. Joining me today is Nessa. Nessa, would you like to introduce yourself to this this crew of people? Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Nessa Johnson. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I've been in the people field for... 20 years as of this August. And I'm really thinking about something that I want to do to mark the occasion because I do love our industry so much and and what we do. I find it to be so important. It's also very, very difficult. And I'm actually not naturally good at this. Um, So it always has provided me a challenge these 20 years. So I'm excited to be here. I'm based out of Los Angeles. I work for a company called GCI Health, which is a global healthcare marketing communications firm. And um, I've been there just about a year and it's been a really good time so far. I love it. What do you mean you're, that you're not naturally good at this? You're so good at this. Oh, well, you know, I went to, I did my MBA and I did two kind of focus areas and one was marketing and one was HR. And I would have to work so hard just to get like a B in an HR class. But the marketing class, I wouldn't try, even try and I got A's. So, you know, I've always been up for a challenge. So here I am 20 years later. I love that. Well, c- congratulations. I can't wait to celebrate that milestone with you. What an exciting time. Um, and you're going to drop so much good knowledge today. For those of you just meeting me for the first time, I'm Hiba. I am the founder and creator behind the brand I Hate It Here. Uh, it's a weekly newsletter where we send tips to help improve your workplace. Uh, we recently crossed an exciting milestone of 100,000 subscribers. So that's been uh, a wild and fun ride since launching in September. During the day, I'm also Workweek's chief people officer. So you could find me operating during the day and then basically at night being a content creator, as I like to joke about. But it's a really good time and everything I learn in my day-to-day operations, I'm always sharing in my newsletter. So that's a good time. Without further ado, the topic for today is feedback and well-being and the connection between the two. So before we dive in, you know, I like to give like a little bit of context on what we're talking about and kind of some stats for us to all be thinking about as we're talking through this. Feedback is just giving constructive information to an employee, sometimes around behaviors, performance, skills. The goal of feedback is either to reinforce or to change behaviors. I say that very lightly because I think everybody has different motives for why they give feedback. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And There is a connection between feedback and employee well-being. It can actually improve or hurt your well-being. So all of us that have been sharing the worst feedback we've gotten, I just wonder after you got that feedback, how did you feel? Probably not great. So it had an impact on your well-being. And then on the right side, there are a few stats that I like to talk through as we're thinking about feedback. 39% of employees report that they don't feel appreciated at work. I think that's like a really interesting stat. There are days where I'm definitely like, Does anyone care about me? Am I doing a good job? You are two times more likely to be disengaged if you are ignored by your manager. And I know some of us would probably prefer to be ignored by our manager. (laughs) I just had to share that stat. It's really interesting. And then the last piece of it is like employees who feel appreciated have a better sense of well-being. And I think I've talked about this a bit in some of my LinkedIn posts and the newsletter that recognition and appreciation is free. And the impact it has on a person to their sense of well-being, their happiness at work, their mental health is massive. So if you take one thing away from today, maybe go tell someone you appreciate them. I try to tell everyone at work at least once a day, but I'm running out of appreciation, I think. Just kidding. It's endless. It's free. (laughs) 
Okay, so that's a little bit about feedback and well-being. Wanted to set the stage for the conversation we're going to have today. So we took some questions from readers ahead of time, and we're going to dive into that in my favorite section called Dear Hibba and Nessa. So let's go with our first question. How best to give feedback when the person hates feedback, even when it's positive? Okay, there's so much to unpack. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was reflecting when you were going through those stats that there's an inherent power dynamic when feedback comes into play. Like it is, I am in a position of power giving you somebody with lesser power, you know, some valuable piece of knowledge to help make you better. And so I think we have to just acknowledge that and enter into that conversation with that perspective as well. I think first and foremost, how best to give feedback when a person hates feedback is they have to know the context. You know, you have to be explicit and really spell out, I really want to give you this feedback. And maybe don't even call it feedback. Like there's a hint, like, you know, people don't like that word, you know? So, you know, uh, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about, you know, how you did in this presentation, you know, because I really want to see you succeed. You know, when people know that you're in their corner, they know how to receive the information. So I think that that's really important. I tense up when someone says, can I give you feedback? I have not learned to untense yet. Yes, absolutely. Feedback is, we just have this automatic association that it's negative. And our brains look at feedback through this lens of, I'm unsafe. You know, I think that that's the first thing. And then we go down a whole other trail of well-being into mental health when we start to think about our origins of feeling unsafe. We don't know what trauma people have been through. We don't know what lived experiences that they've had. So when you approach them in, in something that is inherently with this power dynamic, you don't know what baggage they're bringing with you. And that's been a lot of what I've been talking to leaders about recently is like, have that appreciation for what you don't know. It's interesting that we all kind of hate feedback, right? I think I talk about this a lot, any trainings I do that like our instinct when we get feedback right away is to kind of get into the defense mode because there's like been a lot of studies about how that we associate that feedback with our performance at job with ourselves, with our personality, with like what we are capable of. And so if we're constantly thinking that feedback is associated with that, we're going to have a negative relationship with it. Talking about that safety concept, I think it's our amygdala that gets stimulated at that point. And then we can have all different types of responses. And it's not always the same response, but it could be fight. It could be that defensiveness. It could be no flight, you know, uh, I'm not going to have this conversation. I'm going to avoid my manager now that she wants to have this conversation or, you know, kind of a freeze moment, right? Where you kind of just hear it, but you're kind of like a little stuck and not knowing how to move forward. It's so interesting. Like the the second part of this question about hating it, even when it's positive, I've had several, the joy of managing several people who just don't even like praise, even when it's a feedback that's positive. And so what I have asked them is, how do you prefer to be appreciated? Do you want it in writing? Do you want it in public? Do you want gifts? I'm like, what's your love language? But for employees is always a conversation I have with someone when I started ma- when I start managing them, because the positive feedback is going to reinforce what they're doing well. It's also you're going to show appreciation for the work they're doing and their well-being is going to improve. That's a good best practice for when you've hired somebody new on your team or starting to work with somebody new. And I also think it's worth also just revisiting all the time because I think people, you know, as they ever mature, their confidence evolves, their way of wanting to receive feedback may change over time too. Yeah. 
Someone in the chat said the five languages of appreciation in the workplace is a real thing. I was just typing, would love someone to send that to me because I need to know. Oh, someone's taught it. Like, I just want to know because I it's interesting. I, I always think to myself, like, I don't need appreciation. And then when I'm like in a really bad mood, the first thing I think is like, why hasn't anyone told me I'm doing a good job? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, I do actually want appreciation. Oh, we could probably talk about this forever, but let's get to our next question. How can you approach feedback with someone who always seems to take it personal? We touched on this a little bit in the first part, right? Talk about it's associated with our identity. But how would you approach it, Nessa? The first thing I think about is the marble jar analogy from Brene Brown. So for those of you who don't know it, it comes from her daughter's kindergarten class where the teacher kept a marble jar for the classroom. And when uh, students did good acts for each other, helped each other out, cleaned up after an event, you know, they got marbles added to the jar. And then when something didn't go well, marbles were subtracted. And what Brene Brown kind of talks about is the fact that we all have marble jars with each other. So it's really important that leaders build trust, psychological safety, show kindness before you deliver any sort of difficult feedback or any feedback, just really generally, given all of the hangups that we have around feedback. And the marble jar, I think what's important for us to remember is that it's really small acts that will contribute to that. The appreciation that you talked about, you know, it's small things like asking somebody how was their vacation? Like, I'm kind of wowed when, you know, I go off on vacation and everyone's just like, okay, you're back. So let's work. But like when someone takes the moment to say, how was your vacation? One of my favorite questions to ask people is like, tell me about the highlight of the trip. And, you know, that really just cuts to the chase. And, you know, it, it, it kind of also helps people recognize that, like, I value them taking the time off. So those are the small ways that we add those marble marbles in so that we can subtract from them later if we need to. I think somebody who takes things personally, like we have to have that appreciation for where that might be coming from in the sense of what we talked about earlier. There could be something for them you know, it's that identity thing, you know, it's it's linked to who they are. So just have that appreciation when you go into that conversation. Yeah, I love that. There's a bunch of good things happening in the chat, but it is it's really hard to disassociate our approach to taking it personal to what the feedback is that we're getting because we, we intermix our job with our identity so much. So reminding your team that I also think like whenever I get feedback, I also like to remind the person like, I am trying to help you with this feedback. And I make it okay for them to tell me if they don't accept the feedback. There's like a really interesting power dynamic. We touched on this in the last question, but everyone just always assumes you have to agree with the feedback that's given to you. But you can build a team where you give feedback and you ask your team, do you agree with this? And see what they say. And probably you're going to learn something when they disagree. You're going to learn a perspective or a lived experience or something that happened in their past that is con- leading to why they're rejecting the feedback now. And so I think like just approaching your team on a human level, like nobody wants to hear they're not doing something well. And so trying to humanize feedback as much as possible and asking the person like why they're taking it so personally and making it okay for them to say, I don't agree with you. That's a part of psychological safety too, right? Is making sure that people feel like they can disagree without any negative repercussions. But I also think like feedback has to be like feel co-owned. It can't feel like the person giving it is just dumping it on the other person. So I think a way to help it not feel so personal is for a leader to sort of whoever's giving the feedback to demonstrate like I have this really vested interest in helping 
us figure out, like move from the you need to do something different to like, how can we? And now it's co-creating the solution together. And that's, I don't know a better way to demonstrate that you care about the feedback that you're giving than being a part of the solutioning. Yeah, I agree. Somebody asked what I do if my direct reports disagree with the feedback. I always listen to them. I hear them out. And then I ask them, what can we do to move forward together? It's so hard because in my personal life, I can be stubborn. I know that about myself. And so when I'm at work, I cannot let that come into like my team dynamic because I can't be stubborn with my team, especially with the feedback. Like I have to admit that I can be wrong about something. Yeah. Every time I uh, have a moment like that and I share it with my husband, he's like, who is this person? <laughs> and I have her at home because she took feedback so much better. My husband um, say the same thing. <laughs> How do you redirect constructive feedback with someone who always blames other people for their mistakes or the need for the feedback? So again, this is somebody who's having some sort of reaction. So we just need to kind of acknowledge that there's a lot of different ways to react to feedback. But what my mind automatically goes to in these scenarios is that we can certainly blame others for uh, where things are going wrong, but we only have control over ourselves. So I'm always just try to redirect that back. I still listen and I want to understand where are their pain points and really understand their perspective. But at the end of the day, what can we, again, not just you, but like, what can we do differently? But also, I think that it's a moment, too, where if it's another person that they're blaming, this might be another moment for them to lean into feedback, you know, and talk to that person and figure out how can I make things better. But again, I think, you know, blame is a natural human response to this as well. And we just need to see it as that and have some compassion when someone demonstrates that. I've been there. I've blamed somebody else for the feedback that I've gotten. And I think the thing that I've learned about myself is as I pursued this path of like becoming a leader is that the a leadership trait is really taking accountability. And so helping your team understand like accountability is really important and you can't just redirect the blame on someone else. Obviously, listening to them, like making it clear to them, OK, what role did you play? What role did this person play? But also kind of teaching them that, like accountability is is a real leadership quality to take that ownership over maybe a mistake you made. And I think the second piece of it is like, do they feel safe making mistakes? If they're blaming other people, do they truly feel psychologically safe? Mm -hmm. How people react to feedback is a clear line of sight to their well-being. If they're blaming other people, maybe they don't feel safe taking accountability for the mistakes that they have made. That's brilliant because I really think that then it's a purview into like, how can I give this person more of that psychological safety? How can I give them more freedom to make mistakes? Because if if this is a direct manager uh, to direct report kind of relationship, then you have that within your power to kind of take this this way that they've responded and use it as a pivot point to do something different. It's always how people respond to things is always really interesting for me to observe because it tells you so much about them. And that that in itself is just a whole area for managers. I think it's been hours thinking about like how your team responds to things and what that means about them. And it can also help you coach them better for the future. What are some helpful tools to help you receive constructive slash cool feedback? Giving feedback is hard, but receiving it is also hard. Interested in some tools people could use when receiving critical feedback? 
Yeah. So I, you know, I want to credit somebody that um, I used as a coach. Interestingly, she was a, an intern on our team a long time ago. Um, so I got to know her and see her career advance. And now she's a professional coach. And she really helped me wrap my arms around feedback, I think, finally, in a way that kind of makes sense for me. And I kind of rejected this either or thinking when it comes to feedback about it being good or bad. I'm just learning to think of it as neutral. And I'm trying to think of it as strategic input. So I tend to default to something's wrong with the person and their point of view if I don't agree with the constructive feedback that's given. But now I'm starting to take it a little bit further and say, this is a reflection of the person and maybe what they value. And then I have that opportunity to take what I'm learning and then decide how I want to act on that within my own values. So I think that that's where the empowerment really can come into play here for us. Like we don't have to take everything that we receive and make that the gospel truth. It's really up to us to say, hey, this makes sense to me and here's how I want to apply it. I think normalizing the fact that people get critical feedback is the first step to helping people receive critical feedback better. Because yes. like some of us are probably thinking to ourselves, am I the only one who gets this critical feedback? And then it makes it really hard to receive it. But if you're building a culture around growth and development, the idea is everyone is receiving that critical feedback and that you can normalize that. Um, something I do personally when I'm getting feedback, if I know I'm getting it ahead of time, usually someone tells me they're going to give me feedback. I actually tell myself mentally, like, you are going to get feedback you need to like receive this. Like I actually talk to myself as I'm receiving it. And I have to remind myself, like, you might not agree with this. This might be critical, but just remember to take it in and let it sit for a minute before I say anything. Mm -hmm. I'm always like quick to like jump to something. And this is something I'm learning myself about getting feedback, especially when it's critical. I'm learning to sit with it. Mm -hmm. Even if you give it on it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a lot of coaching that I've given folks before is this idea of, you know, I think we're all such straight A students in a, in a way, right? We all want to like do things well. So I kind of tell people and myself, my only job when receiving feedback is to listen and ask clarifying questions to understand what's being shared with me. So that's my mark of doing a good job in that moment is just listening and asking those clarifying questions. And then I should go back and sit with it and reflect on it. But I think even better is sometimes to do something fun that reminds you of who you are, because I think we can just get so wrapped up in this feedback and it can just really kind of put these blinders on us. And remember the type of feedback that you've gotten in the past and the feedback that you received is so different than anything else you've ever received. You know, that's telling too, you know, and you can you can really maybe extract something from that. But, you know, you say thank you when you get feedback. I'd like to process what you've shared with me and circle back with you and then share some ideas on how I want to action this feedback, you know. And, you know, I always say it that way because I think you want to at least demonstrate to somebody, even if some part of what they told you is true, you could probably action on that. And that will open the door so that they can continuously give you feedback and you have that relationship. I think there have been a bunch of tools that have been shared, like definitely check them out. We're sharing some tips and tricks as well. It's just it, someone talked about reframing the word critical. I actually call it areas of opportunity. I just think that has like a better spin to it. I don't know who told me to call it that, but somebody told me years ago and I've never stopped calling it like I've areas of opportunity. When you admit that way, it really focuses on the I want to help you grow 
not I want to critique everything that you are doing, because that is what feedback feels like sometimes, a critique of everything we do. That's right. But it's like, no, I want to learn how to be better and you, my manager, are going to help me do that. So what are my areas of opportunity? Um, Mm -hmm. That's a really good one. Okay, next question. A high-level operations executive always shuts down whenever she receives gentle but straightforward feedback and won't talk to me and avoid me for days. How do you recommend to approach feedback with prideful individuals? Well, I think first and foremost, don't shy away from it just because they had this negative response to it. But it could be a good moment to sort of reevaluate the relationship that you have with them, right? And think about ways in which you can you know, learn about them. How do they, uh, maybe going back to what you kind of suggested, Heva, is like, talk to them about like, how do they want to receive feedback? For me, when these kind of moments have happened, I've kind of gone back to the individual and said, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while. I know that that conversation was tough. I just want to make sure that, you know, you're feeling okay about that. And I'm open to hearing feedback from you as well. And just keep that dialogue open so that they know, Okay, because this might be a self-defense mechanism, right? This is like a, I don't want to get feedback, so I'm going to act this way so I don't get it going forward. I never thought about that, that that is why they are acting that way, so that they don't want to get the feedback moving forward. Ah, I've been in this very situation. It's not fun. I did not write this question if anyone's asking, (laughs) but I have experienced this one. Um, It's really interesting because this is just, again, like, an bird's eye view into their well-being if they are always shutting down like how are they doing mentally physically emotionally at work and maybe this feedback is just setting them over the edge where they can't actually process it in a good in a good way and i don't want to make excuses because this behavior is, is not great and so i think just building the trust with the person to eventually get to say to them hey i've noticed when i give you feedback anytime you seem to shut down Like, how can we work together so that I'm able to give you feedback in a way that's received well? Sometimes people, so like I always ask people, like, how do you want to receive feedback? Do you want it in writing first? Do you want me to talk through the feedback and then share the writing? Like, what works best for you? And so Mm -hmm. asking that person how they want to receive it is really helpful because if they say, I want it in writing ahead of time, what they're probably processing is, I know I'm going to be defensive, so let me get it ahead of time, process it, and then come fresh to the conversation. So that's just another tactic, like asking how people want to receive it. And I'm, I shit you not, people will always say, oh, I just want it direct and in the moment. And they are liars because people do not process well. We do not process it well. So just a disclaimer, if somebody tells you like, I want it live and in the moment, and then they react really poorly when you do that, yeah, go back to the question and say, hey, I did the thing you told me to do and you didn't respond well. Like, let's talk about another way we can do this moving forward. So I just wanted to share that here because I love when people are like, yeah, I just like direct feedback right away. That's a lie. Yeah, we hear that all the time. And I just I don't actually know that that's completely accurate for all people. And, you know, I think I think appreciate to prep themselves, you know, they kind of want to know. You know, it's the same thing. You know, I've seen a lot of memes recently about like, do you have five minutes? You know, like we always assume the worst with that. We have to reach out and say, this is regarding X, you know, and so that really have are able to get into the right headspace around something. I learned to never slack. You have five minutes anymore because every time I've done it, someone has just spiraled. 
And yes. so now I have to say like, hey, I'd love a few minutes. I just want to check on this thing. And then that's better. But one time I forgot to do that. And the person said they had like the worst day ever at work. Yes. I said, it was awful. I couldn't, I couldn't focus on anything other than the fact that you wanted to talk. And I was like, oh, I just wanted to talk to you about this like very small, not important thing. Yeah. Uh, and I've been on the opposite side of that and have spiraled. You know, it's, it's so easy to do it. There's just something interesting. I know there are a lot of books about feedback, but like us as humans and like what we want and do we want to get better? And are we actually just committed to our own status quo is like a topic I could probably talk about forever. But we also have some live Q&A and we want to take some questions from you all. Our first question, Nessa, from our live Q&A. How do you give feedback across a power differential? Like giving feedback up to somebody with greater power, your boss, their boss, et cetera. We touched on this, but Ness. The same principles pretty much hold, but I do think that, you know, people with greater positions of power are definitely looking for feedback to become, to come positioned with some solutioning as well. So I have always found success when I have been able to say, this is what I have noticed, have a good dialogue, but be ready with my recommendations for how we are going to move things forward. If it's about, that's if it's like about an issue. But if it's about a person directly, you know, that becomes a lot more challenging. But what's worked for me is just to be straightforward. You know, when I was coming up on a year within a role, you know, I was working with my manager and I said, you know, hey, it's it's a year. This is what might be a really good point for us to sort of evaluate what's been going well, what's not been going so well and how we want the next year to look. So then it's really set up like, look, I'm in this with you and, you know, I want to kind of partner together. I love that. Those are such good tips. I am a little different. I'm just going to say that. I like to address the power dynamic right away. And I say things like, hey, I understand this might be a little difficult. Like, you're my superior. Or I'm your superior. That that can be scary for me. So I just want to set the stage on where I'm coming from, where like I'm a, I'm a little scared to give this feedback. But I want to give it anyways, because I think it's really valuable and that you might want to hear it. And then I just share the feedback. But I think like acknowledging that or even like running your feedback by one of your peers to help make sure that you are delivering it well is also helpful. I have people read my feedback all the time to just gut check me on, is this too harsh? Am I being clear about what's what it's expected of them? Like that type of stuff. But there's no doubt that feedback and performance management, why I loathe performance management systems is because it puts all the power in the person who already has all the power. And so like something really interesting at work week that we are trying, and I'm hoping I'm going to talk about this in a few weeks, is instead of doing performance management like formally where your boss just does a downward, every two weeks we've been getting our employees together with their direct report and their manager, and they actually do two-way feedback where they each answer three questions about each other and they spend 30 minutes every two weeks giving each other feedback. And it's been interesting. Like what I've learned is like the power dynamic does very much exist even when you try to get rid of it. So okay. just reminding our employees constantly, like if all of us have the same end goal of getting better with feedback and we approach the conversation that way, then we are probably in a better place. I also think there's something to practice. You know, um, I recall a really tough conversation I had to have with a very senior leader. And I had my, like most of us do, we write out our talking points. But what we sometimes don't do is really practice those. And I'm a big fan of recording yourself when you're needing to give a difficult, not recording 
without somebody knowing. I mean, per, in prep, right? With yourself only. Um, so, you know, really uh, pressing record, hearing yourself go through it, you'll start to recognize, okay, that doesn't sound authentically me. Those are words on a page, but that's not how I would say it. And then you've practiced it a few times and you're able to go into that conversation with confidence. A big complaint from senior leaders is that nobody's sharing feedback with them, that you get to a certain level and you stop hearing real feedback, you know? So they're craving it, you know, but they're human too. And it's hard to hear the the critical stuff. Um, I hear some, I see some folks asking about the three questions we use at Workweek. I'll share them in the recap email to this. So you'll get special content there. And I agree with you. Once we get to a senior spot, people don't want to give us feedback. They're like afraid of us because we have too much power. And I'm like, no, we need the feedback. Um, the last thing I will suggest on this topic, there's a great follow on LinkedIn and Instagram, Dr. Akila Cadet. And she does a session, like a session that she facilitates on power and privilege. And I just love her content because she's constantly talking about the systems we exist in, where the power and where the privilege come from. And as HR people, as we are trying to help employees on their journey, really understanding the difference in power dynamics in the workplace when you're developing things like performance management or feedback is going to be very powerful because some of us feel powerless at work and some systems have been designed to ensure that continues. So just something to think about. Dr. Kayla Cadet, she has a company called Change Cadet. Honestly, she's one of the greatest follows on LinkedIn. I think she has really great content. Um, and she she shares a lot. So just something to think about. Power is very interesting and tricky. Um, next question. I am a culture manager in charge of improving morale. How do I provide feedback to the CEO slash C-suite team if they think they're not part of the problem? Oh, boy. <laughs> that every C-suite team ever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm a big proponent of tapping into like what you know about these folks. For example, if this were me in my current role, uh, you know, my CEO has been in her role for 20 years, not in the role, but at the company for 20 years. She really grew up from like the lowest level all the way to CEO. So I know how personal she takes the evolution of our culture. And so when I bring feedback to her like that, I would really situate this like I know how important this is for you. And that's why I'm bringing you this very difficult to hear feedback. And then you just kind of have to say it, you know, and stick with them through their tough emotions. I mean, you know, again, they're human, too, and they have tough emotions. And I think if you're in a culture role, if you're in a people role, you are going to be exposed to all of that. And hence the reason we have to take care of ourselves. Um, you know, I had somebody the other day, like, you know, have a event session with me, and then they apologized profusely. And then I was like, well, that's what I'm here for. And i I have my own tools and tricks to make sure that I'm safe and okay after these conversations. So yeah, that's my take on that. What about you? I love that. I have such an interesting hot take here. I don't know. This might be me. Something I had to come to terms with. It was very hard. Again, stubborn and pride are like in my blood and I try to work through them all the time. Is that sometimes they do not want to hear it from me. Even if I want to tell them, you're part of the problem. You're you're the reason why morale is so low. Your bad behaviors are what's trickling down to the company. Sometimes they need to hear it from somebody who is not their HR person. And that is when, I hate to say it, you get a consultant, somebody specialized in this, somebody who's done it, someone who's managed change transformation, who's focused on culture, and you partner with that person to help get this message across to your CEO and your C-suite. 
And I battle with this all the time because I believe that they should listen to me. But sometimes they need to hear it from someone else. Yes. And I had to like really swallow my pride on that one. But I have done it. I have gotten a consultant. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think sometimes, too, they value that outsider's perspective, you know, and when you've been with a company for a little bit of time, they start to, you know, look for that fresh thing. So that can definitely be a great route to take. Yeah. Someone said, what if they don't want to pay for the consultant? I also have a hot take here. Um, If your employees are leaving, your culture is suffering, your engagement is down, you cannot attract good candidates, what are you going to do? You should probably that money on a solution. And that solution is to start with looking at why is your culture not able to retain talent? Right. Absolutely. And I think as much as possible, bringing it back to the business case, the more engaged your employees are, the more productive they are, the more profitable the company is. So all of the CEOs that are claiming that we need to go back to the office to be productive, it's a joke because you can be just as productive at home. And we just proved that for the last three years. But they want to say that because they want to say it's going to increase our profitability if I can watch everyone and make sure they're productive. Um, so that's just something to think about. Well, yes. Thing, you know, you know, we talked about an outside consultant, but I think we know when we are in organizations who really moves the CEO's head, you know, so mm-hmm. we're sort of like sacred folks, right? Yeah. That, you know, and, you know, sometimes your way of influencing an organization or the C-suite isn't just them. It's all those those people down b- beneath or around. And, you know, if I have this meaningful conversation here, that's going to get back to them. So yeah. it's the political, like, you know, you have to think about, like, everybody else that you can influence. The maneuvering, the chess game of how do I influence somebody else? It's interesting because Strength Finders tells you, like, you have influencing strengths. And just like going and doing some influencing with other executives so that maybe the CEO is hearing the same thing over and over again will then lead him to think, oh, my God, maybe this is a problem. We'll lead them to think maybe this is a problem. That's right. Cool. Okay. Um, next question. How can you effectively make feedback part of your company's culture so it's not awkward but part of every day? Well, if anybody has like absolutely figured this out, I would really love to hear from this because it's like – it's such a calling of mine that we help people feel safe in organizations so that then this could become a reality. But I don't think that you can start, you can do this piece until you've made it a safe environment. And we have to have managers who really care about their people. And so, you know, really helping managers humanize the work experience yep. for folks has to happen before anything like this can be a reality. I would also love to know somebody who's been able to really do this. We're trying to do it at Workweek. We're a relatively young company, though, so I have that opportunity of, like, not bad behaviors. But I would say if you really want to make it part of your company culture, put it in your values, put it in your operating principles, put it in anything that you talk about with your culture and making it clear to everyone that they feel safe and that everyone is going to grow together. And their bonus. Ooh. You know, how are you developing and retaining and growing your staff, you know? Yeah. People, uh, what was it during the pandemic? The two reasons people left were growth opportunities. And then when inflation got really high, it was compensation again. But like really framing feedback as an avenue for growth would be the dream. I just think bringing it back, like honesty is one of my core values. It's like one of three. And I that's how I talk about how I give feedback. 
if I'm in your life, I'm going to be honest with you. And that means we are going to have healthy feedback conversations regularly. One of the things that I think if you manage people, I always end every one-on-one conversation with what do you need from me is my last question. And I think that that sets the stage for, okay, I know I'm going to always be asked that by Nessa. So now I can be ready the next time if it's kind of you're catching somebody off guard. But it opens up that feeling of psychological safety. It's a place where you are going to receive feedback. So then you're adding those marbles into the marble jars so that I can do the same on the other side. I love that. So what do you need from me? Although sometimes I ask that question and people are just like, nothing. And I'm like, well, this is not helpful, but I'm going to keep asking it every day. Yeah. And then the kind of things that I hear from people are like, look, you know, I'm really worried about a scenario where, you know, this might blow up in my face. So I just need you to kind of have that awareness. And yeah, or maybe like I need you to go and reinforce a message to somebody, you know, those are the kind of answers I get to that question. What do you do if you give someone feedback and they don't agree with you? We talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's their right not to agree. Absolutely. I also like I loved what you said about like I need to listen to them. Right. What I would do is just like, can you give me any examples that could, you know, I don't want to say prove your point of view, but, you know, something that can like help me understand your point of view. Help me understand. Yeah. Yeah. And so. So then it's like that two-way dialogue, and then we can really reconcile. But, you know, but I mean, it's their right not to agree with you. But I also think that, you know, you not agreeing with the feedback I give you does not mean I'm not going to keep giving you feedback. Exactly. (laughs) So I think that's a message that I want to end on. And I have to explain the why behind that, because I care about your growth and development, you know, and I want to see you be successful. Yeah. I mean, like, just creating a relationship where they can push back on you and tell you they don't agree is super powerful. Mm-hmm. So just doing that, but knowing that like exactly what Nessa said, it is not an out for you not to give feedback anymore. Mm-hmm. Also, there could be some context you don't have. So you're giving feedback about some, maybe you don't have context about it. And that's your opportunity as a manager to also learn. So I just think like getting into the practice of knowing like, I made a joke about this once, but I will not stop saying it. Do not go into HR or management if you don't like conflict. Because there's always going to be some sort of conflict that's going to make you uneasy. And like, especially with feedback, creating the opportunity for someone to say no feels like conflict to a lot of people. But to me, it's actually a healthy relationship of trust and respect. So just think about that. Um, what? How do you go to a manager who is conflict avoidant? Who's in my head today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you got to have that relationship with them first and foremost. I have dealt with a lot of people who are this way. And I think that they also need to feel like you're on their side, ultimately, even if it's something that's like really tough, right? And that becomes the, I'm giving you this feedback. I know together we can figure out how to to move forward, you know? Um, They need to have that feeling. They need to not feel like, again, you're dumping it on them and just going to leave it with them, you know, but really going to partner and walk alongside them. Yeah. Conflict is so healthy. Harmony is my dead last strength. I know you're not supposed to do that, but on the list of Gallup Street Finders, <laughs> Harmony is my dead last one, which should explain a lot about me. I love this intent. Um, but the conflict avoidant one is really interesting. I wrote about this in a few newsletters back in Adam Grant's book, Originals. He talks a lot about how the conflict you saw growing up actually informs how you are in the workplace as well. So who saw your parents resolve conflict in a healthy way, then you are probably better equipped to also handle it in a healthy way. It doesn't mean all is law 
lost. If you did not see that growing up, you can definitely learn it. But I think approaching a manager who's conflict avoidant, asking yourself like why they are avoiding this conflict and maybe creating a space for them to say like conflict makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's powerful for you to say, OK, conflict makes you uncomfortable, but like we're just going to have a discussion and mm-hmm. we are going to leave this discussion and our relationship is not going to get worse. That's what I think people are afraid of conflict because they're afraid of ruining a relationship. Yeah, Conflict is healthy. It challenges you and it helps you grow. You know, and there's some cultures geographically that are way better at this than we are here in the U.S. I remember that being one of my big uh, learnings when I worked with my first global team was like some teams are just the conflict. It's like we're going to go at each other in this meeting, but then we're going to go out and have a coffee afterwards and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I wish we had a healthy dose of that here. I wish we, I don't know, my childhood, fascinating. Like we had a great conflict all the time. At the dinner table, we'd all like argue different points. It was a fun time, but it like really taught me it's why I am the way damn like conflict. I love it. Send me away. Like I also was certified to be a peer mediator in middle school. I was just reflecting upon this the other day. I can't believe I did this. They sent me to like a class all day on a Saturday to learn how to do conflict resolution as like a 12 year old. And then I ended up being an RA in college. So if anyone wants to do, I have a theory like a lot of HR people somehow end up as RAs. Great folks. Yes, I remember that. But I also was a rule breaker uh, as an RA. I was the one who played my music the loudest on the floor. So I feel like I got into it just to break the rules. (laughs) I am dying. Someone said I have major RA energy. That's going to live with me forever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the peer mediator thing's weird, but I did it and I they gave me a booklet and taught me how to train on conflict. So maybe it was just setting me up for my entire life now. Um, what, a few last questions. We're nearing the end, but we're going to still try to get to as many of these as possible. How can I be trauma informed in giving feedback to somebody who is open about having many triggers regarding authority? Think about mechanically how you want to give the feedback like in the sense of like, can you do it in person? Is there that opportunity? If we're virtual, do we want to do videos off just because that'll make you feel more comfortable? Like it's just having that open conversation, you know? And I think the same way you kind of talked about like being transparent with a C-level person about this is difficult. I'm nervous to give you this feedback. I think maybe that you can say, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive to the way that, you know, we can have this conversation in a way that can help you feel comfortable. So, you know, let's talk about that together and then we'll have the conversation in the way that's going to work best for you. I love that. This one, I love the the suggestion of keeping the camera off because like having to control your, have, I don't control my face well. All my emotions are on it. I'm working really hard to like not a facial reaction sometimes, but giving that is really helpful. And then also just asking the person, like you have shared with me your experiences regarding authority how can I best give you feedback? What works best for you? It's a little difficult because that does put the burden on the person who already disclosed to you that they are having a hard time with this. So coming to the table with a few suggestions as their manager is also probably going to be better. We say, I have a few ideas for how I can best give you feedback. Do any of these sound appealing to you? Yeah. Also, I have like a delusional relationship with authority. So like I also have issues with authority. So I'm exploring that. I'm sorry, I'm exploring that. Um, Is there different ways you have to approach feedback for neurodivergent people compared to neurotypical people? 
That's a great question. You know, I haven't actually mastered that. Um, you know, if anything, I just might slow down in terms of like, you know, giving a lot of space for the volume back and forth. But, you know, Hiba, do you have experience with this? Okay, so this is really interesting. I follow somebody and I can't remember her name right now on LinkedIn. I'm really sorry. I'll have to put her in here. She was writing about this recently and I was just like watching it, but it's putting things in writing as well is super helpful for neurodivergent people to read it with enough time. So like you give it to them ahead of time in writing, you give them the time and space to like read it, react to it, do whatever they want, and then you come together and talk about it. I will find the creator's name and link her in the after um, this event email as well. I'm just, I'm trying to learn as much as I possibly can about this. Like I don't even know enough and I'm not an expert either. So if anyone has any tips, someone just dropped a webinar. Thank you. Um, someone asked, said, ask what accommodations are going to be most useful and put everything in writing. So we're all trying to learn how to be better to people. And I think this is just one avenue in which I have learning to do as well. Yeah, same. Um, and someone said, don't say we, like phrases, like just say what you mean. Yes. I, I love that because we, we have don't so use those like, metaphors or analogies and things like that. Uh, you know, use so much corporate jargon. Yes. I'm like, just these are mass. This is like aggressiveness, mass, those pleasantries. Just tell me what you mean. <laughs> uh, okay, let's take one more question, maybe two, and then we'll wrap up. Um, how do you handle an employee who is hostile when you give them feedback about how they treat and communicate with other people? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, then I think you have to have a if you have to have a conversation with them about their reaction to the feedback itself. You know, I think. This is where it kind of crosses into managing someone's performance and, you know, behaviors. This is difficult, but I would say first and foremost, it's important that you acknowledge that the way that they are responding is just not appropriate. And we have to work on a better way for you to treat and communicate with your peers. Yeah, I would err on the side of not saying the word professional, though, because that word carries a lot of bias. And I've been doing a lot of research on that. So just remember that. But I think telling them like you want them to be best set up for success and how they collaborate with others. So remembering and also just stop. do right. not assume somebody is hostile if you are not on the receiving end of it. If people are telling you they're hostile, are they hostile in verbal? Are they hostile in writing? Because I think those are just like miscommunications. We are all really bad at communicating. And so when someone tells me someone is hostile, I'm like, Tell I need like actual examples of oh, what actually happens. Yes, that's. Steve, right. I would just tread carefully on giving that feedback. If you have seen them themselves do that, I would frame it as a let's work on how you collaborate with others to better set you up for success. Mm -hmm. Okay, one more question. Do you have any suggestions for somebody who struggles with being assertive when giving feedback? I think I am sometimes too gentle and I'm not getting results. Ugh, my heart. Yeah, I know. Gosh, you know, I would, you know, make sure you're prepared. I think for people who may be a little less assertive, like having a script to follow will be very helpful for you. I also think that tap into the reason you're giving feedback and that can really give you energy. So it could be like, you know, I really want to see this project be successful. I want to see you be successful. I want to see the team be successful. Those are just a couple of things that come to mind. Yeah, I love that. Um, early in my career, I also struggled with being assertive. And then that because I was too direct, I tried to be softer. And then I just didn't, it never worked for me. Oh, 
like always oscillating between like, I'm very direct naturally, but now I'm trying to be nice and now I'm not being assertive. So it can be a struggle every day. The one thing that I have learned as well, I've talked about this in previous trainings, but your limiting belief, like is something holding you back from being more assertive? Is it the bad feedback you've gotten in the past? It is, is it that like women are told to be soft and kind and nice? Is that something that's like holding you back from being assertive and kind of doing some self-exploration there? And then when it comes to the feedback, definitely writing it down and having a script prepared to deliver it. And don't be afraid to say, like, I need to see these changes. Like, look at the language you're writing. And if it is too soft, take out the soft stuff and just try to be a little bit more direct. And this hasn't come up yet, but make sure you do not do the feedback sandwich. Yeah. Um, that's like so 1990. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think that we tend to get to a point when in some feedback conversations where you can see somebody's having a negative reaction and then you yeah. want to scroll back to all the things that, you know, they do well. So yeah. we're wrapping up with like five minutes to spare. I just want to make sure we get just some what's next so you all get some insight. Um, if you grab this and scan it or you click the link in the chat, there's a survey I love and appreciate y'all's feedback so much. It helps me figure out what else all of you need to be successful. So I would love you taking the survey. Also, we're going to roll out some special I hated here products in the future. And so if you want to get on the early bird list to like access about what products we're trying to roll out, stick your email in there. We're going to do some learning stuff, lots of cool things coming down the pipeline. So take that survey and let me know what you think. I appreciate you being here so, so much already. Um, the next episode is our season finale of I Hate It Here. Ah, I can't believe it's here. Um, I promise not to end on a cliffhanger. We are going to talk about the world of talent and what is happening in the current economy and job market, which I think is just interesting because it's very confusing to a lot of people, myself included, some days. And some final takeaways. Nessa and I have shared so much, but like really thinking about the feedback you give and how it impacts the people around you is like step one. And just if you reframe everything around, we're all trying to grow. I think it just really helps the feedback. Nessa, any final takeaways from you? Yeah, I think also uh, if you're in a position to give feedback, make sure you're in the right headspace for it as well. You know, um, some things can wait and will have a better impact on you and the other person if you take a moment to get yourself prepared to have a productive conversation. That's such a good point. Take care of yourself. We're, we we always think about ourselves last, but think about yourselves first when you're giving feedback. Um, and finally, thank you so much for coming today. Y'all had such great questions. I feel like we shared so much. I Honestly, I have so much energy right now. I'm trying to calm myself down. Big thanks to Newsstand and the Predictive Index. Again, the reason I get to get my friends together, talk about the things and the issues that really matter to HR people with all of you is because of my sponsors. So huge thanks to them. And really, again, lastly, thank you to all of you and Nessa for taking time out of your busy schedules, out of your day, and setting the intention of coming to learn about something that I think we're all really bad at. <laughs> Just kidding. I know this was great. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, Nessa, for joining me. This was such a good conversation. I truly enjoyed all of it with all of you. It was so nice to see you all. Thank you for attending. Take the survey. Tell me your thoughts. And I will see you March 15th in two weeks. Bye, all. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Keep up with all the latest HR resources by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you love I Hate It Here, tell an HR friend. I'll see you next time.